Hello, I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, those of you that have been listening for some time understand a little bit about the premise of this program. And essentially what we talk about and what we look at is what does it mean for a business to have a soul? Um, and the idea there is predicated on the notion that business is the most pervasive uh, force on the planet today. I mean, there is literally nothing that escapes the touch of businesses' activities. And as a consequence of that, from my perspective in particular, but also, you know, this is where I have some fascinating guests to weigh in, uh, the perspective of um, the moral responsibility. And I say the word moral, the moral responsibility that business has to literally take care of the whole. Um, because through the actions of business, uh, more so than governments, more so than individuals, the actions of business, we can really formulate ways in which life on this planet can be um, held in a way that is uplifting to everything. And business has, you know, has the, uh, the ability to be the key driver on that. So that's the preamble for the program. And again, welcome to the show. My guest today, I am absolutely thrilled to have uh, join us. I've known Jeffrey for a couple of years now. Uh, I joined his organization, the C-Suite Networks, uh, and ultimately the Heroes Club, and we'll talk a little bit about both of those in a minute, um, partly because there was such a mesh with the ideology that I just referenced and what uh, Jeffrey's up to. Uh, let me give you a real quick introduction to who he is and why you might want to pay particular attention and turn your volume up a little bit today so that you can really hear what he has to say. Uh, Jeffrey Hazlett is a primetime television host of C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett and Executive Perspectives on C-Suite TV, as well as a business podcast host of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, which is also on C-Suite Network, or C-Suite Radio, uh, more precisely. He's a global business celebrity, and that is not an exaggeration. He truly is a celebrity in the business world. He's a speaker, best-selling author, and chairman and CEO of C-Suite Network, which is the literally the home to the world's most trusted network of C-suite leaders. The, the group of people that he's assembled in this uh, organization are amazing. Um, he's a public speaker, former Fortune 100 CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, and we'll talk a bit about that in his history here. But he's also written four best-selling business books, Think Big, Act Bigger, The Reward of Being Relentless, Running the Gauntlet, I love that title, The Mirror Test, and The Hero Factor, How Great Leaders Transform Organizations and Create Winning Cultures. I truly think that he is, and it says so in his bio, but I also believe that this is true. Uh, he's one of the most compelling figures in business today, and he's also an inductee, and this, I mention this because this is, uh, I think, telling in, in terms of how he's listened to. He's an inductee into the National Speakers Association Speakers Hall of Fame, and that's actually a fairly rarefied atmosphere. Um, he's been quoted in uh, Forbes, Success, Mashable, Marketing Week, Chief Executive, Magazines, among others. Um, and I could go on and on and on. Television networks, Bloomberg, MSNBC, Fox Business, uh, guest celebrity. This is kind of an interesting one given uh, some background here. But he's a guest celebrity judge on NBC's Celebrity Apprentice with, uh, with Donald Trump for three seasons. And I'm sure there's some interesting stories there we probably won't have time to get into. <laughs> but um, I want to just welcome Jeffrey and thank you very much for joining us on the show today. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I, thanks for going through all that. Some of the stuff I always forget. Yeah, I've been the Hall of Fame, which is just unbelievable to be in the Speaking Hall of Fame. I've also, you know, to be in it with, uh, oh, geez, Colin Powell, Norman Vincent Peale, Art Linkletter, Ronald Reagan. Uh, there's usually anywhere from two to five people put in every single year. Five would be an exception. Uh, but, you know, it's a very, very heady group uh, to be a part of. And, and to be honest with you, Blaine, I don't know if you knew this. I'm in five business Hall of Fames um, through my career because each, each couple of years I kind of like reinvent myself and go do something else. But the, the National Speaker Association Hall of Fame was by far one of the best and biggest and, yeah. and one of the greatest honors to be, you know, amongst peers who I've looked up to for so many years. It's just been fabulous. Yeah. Well, and it says a lot, to me anyway, about you as a thought leader. Um, and, and I've been speaking for well, 40 years myself, uh, not on the platforms that you've been working with. Mine's been primarily in corporate worlds. Uh, but um, your background, CMO, uh, I want to just kind of give the folks a little bit of a historical walkthrough about how you got to where you are right now. And the one that I'm most familiar with is... Yeah, your your history is marketing, yeah, chief marketing officer at, uh, at Kodak. Eastman Kodak, Eastman yeah. Kodak. Yeah, I was there from 2006, 2010. I was a Fortune 100 officer, which in itself is a pretty heady kind of thing. When you think there's four or five officers per company, so there's only four or 500 at the Fortune 100 level. Uh, if you take a Fortune 1000, there's only 5,000 people. There are more people playing, you know, professional football in the United States than there are Fortune 1000 officers. So yeah. it's a fairly, you know, um, um, I keep using the word heady, but it's a very elite club. Um, not to say that we're elitist by any means, but just the, the fact that you've yeah. risen to that level. Um, you know, I think it's important to, to note that, you know, I bought and sold over 250 businesses in my career, about 25 billion in transaction. Of course, when I was Kodak managing a $17 billion budget back then, Mm -hmm. um, that's with a B. So it's pretty, you know, <laughs> you know, but I'm just a good old guy from South Dakota. That's where I'm from. That's where I'm sitting at right now. I'm back home. Um, I get home a number of times a year. I live between New York and South Dakota. Uh, but I always want to be home home, which is what we call South Dakota. And yeah. thanks for letting me be on here. And thanks for letting me wear a headset. I have to do that because I'm so loud that they put me in a separate room by myself and so and they, they say wear these headsets and only talking to this microphone so thank you for letting me uh, join you today it's <laughs> no problem the reason I wanted you to touch on on your uh, stint at Kodak has to do with and I'm gonna you know, actually meld two pieces here one is the soul of business uh, yep. compensation and the other is some news that came out last week with the business roundtable and unbelievable yeah so, yeah, my, my, yeah, the business roundtable came out and said there's more than just making profit, which, uh, you know, the hero factor is about putting people over profit and the hero club, which is a big group of ours, uh, which you're a, a proud member. And we're so, we're so lucky to have you as a part of that as we are with the hundreds of CEOs that are part who want to make a difference. You know, uh, I think that's kind of unique. My, my email has been just filled. Uh, my email inbox has been filled. Phone's been ringing off the hook text uh, every second from uh, CEOs across the country who recognize that uh, the big boys and girls, um, you know, when you have business roundtables, a pretty big group, uh, it's for the biggest companies in the world. Right. Um, and so when their CEOs say, hey, there's more 
you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, conscious uh, capitalism, you know, it's about the soul business that every business needs to have a soul. It can't just be about profits. And I thought that was a great, great uh, admission. You know, we, we believe at the Hero Club that, you know, there's a difference between those businesses that operate like hero companies versus those companies that are do-gooders, those companies that are, are uh, good co's, those companies that are wannabes, those companies that are asshats, those bad ones like that, or even those that are operational excellence types of companies. And that's how we identify them. You know, I'd say if you look at most businesses, you can put in one of those buckets based on your values and based upon your operational excellence. And, you know, we know that hero businesses, um, they, they gross more money than their competitors. They make more than uh, by by far on the net side. But more importantly, because they have such high values, uh, putting people over profit and their values, their 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 walk away values about how they treat people, they also find that the employees are happier, customers are more engaged, uh, vendors want to do business with them, and people in their community recognize them as a hero business, meaning yeah. they recognize them as a business that's, that's, that's on a pedestal above all other businesses because they take care of the environment. They take care of their people. They take care of their vendors. They take care of the community. You know, they're making sure that enough people are in the walkathon. They make sure that the symphony is funded. They make sure the little league, uh, you know, field is taken care of all those little things that make a hero business that again, getting back to the real key here on the show is that they've got soul, you know, they've got a, they, they really believe in doing it right because, because they can't. Yeah. And not because not because the government says not because there's regulations, not because, you know, uh, you know, of some archaic rule or some some forced upon belief. It's because they've chosen to do that. And I think that's fantastic. Oh, I, yeah. And that's why I mean, I I was <laughs> same as you. My my phone was ringing off the hook and I was getting emails because I've been, you know, the uh, book Compassionate Capitalism over my shoulder here. Yep. Um, that was a companion piece that was written. My good friend Raj Sisodi and John Mackey, both of whom I know fairly well, uh, Conscious Capitalism speaks to an awareness of just exactly what we're talking about and what right. the roundtable actually began to address. And the compassion piece on this is the behavior that goes along with yeah. this. So how do you behave compassionately? And that's where I think capitalism has missed the mark very strongly in the last, well, since, not literally since, Milton Friedman back in the early 60s, but uh, yeah, his his tenant of, you know, purpose of business is to make a profit. Uh, that's skewed. Without question. Let's be clear. I mean, you should. Absolutely. If you're not making a, if you're not making a profit, you can't do good as, as much as uh, you can still do good, but you can't do it at scale. And if you make money, you can do it at a greater scale, whether you want to give it away, whether you want to operate in a different fashion, you know, and, and, and again, yeah. um, in a, a compassionate way, which I think is fabulous. I, you know, one of the key things, though, I think is very important that we saw with this business roundtable and certainly with our hero club. So our hero CEO club, each one of our heroes have to take a pledge that says they're going to operate their business in a manner of, of befitting a hero company. And then because of that, they're a hero leader now because no one wakes up and says, hey, man, I want to be a hero today. You know, uh, we're not we're not built that way. Most people aren't wired that way. But but we do want to run hero companies. We do want to be surrounded with other heroes. We do want to have hero beliefs and you know and 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 be good. I don't know anyone that wakes up every morning and says you know I just can't wait to suck. You know I can't wait to be bad. <laughs> there are some people like that. You know we know who they are. But most people I think want to do good. 
Yeah. And most people want to be led by people who do good. So that's really what the, you know, that the hero factor that we see. And one of the most important tenets that I write about in the book, The Hero Factor, um, which, you know, describes a lot of the people in the Hero Club, is that we pick sides. You have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. You have to decide that this is indeed what I want to do. Yep. You know, you know, I'm going to make a choice in life. I'm going to make a choice in my business that this is how we'll operate. And a lot of folks don't do that. And and, and I think that's important. That's you know, a I, real critical piece. I think that's enormously important. I just did a program in Japan uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in, in the title of it. And, and this was an interesting, interesting program. I had about 350, almost 400 people in the room. And the title of the program is a four-hour talk. Uh, was business as a spiritual discipline. And oh, wow. I did it through an interpreter. Yeah, and what was fascinating about this was it actually landed really well through an interpreter. Yeah. So, yeah. And, well, and, but you, as you know, as you know, uh, Blaine, the, in Tokyo, if you've been there any, any time, I spent many, many years I, there. I lived there for five years. So, yeah. Oh, but as you know, it's a very spiritual place. But you wouldn't expect that because it's not a very religious place. Now, there's a difference between that. It's a very spiritual place. In fact, I when every time I go to Tokyo, I always get very centered, very calm, because I really the energy of the place is one that's very, very spiritual. Yeah. And and so there's a real connection with that. I think that that's an interesting piece. Well, what was interesting for me about not only that delivery in, in Tokyo, but also is the receptivity that they had to the point that you're making. It was the, the, an audience was designed <laughs> in part to receive this. But the idea of a discipline you know, as a leader, particularly a hero leader, uh, you have to have the discipline. And to the point about profits, yeah. There's a point I, in my experience with just every company I've ever consulted with where it started as a mission, had a business that was developed to deliver on the mission, the business became successful, and at some point there's an inflection where the business becomes more important than the mission, and the decisions and the focus is on the viability of the business. Total. And Yeah. And at that point, and, that, and that's the flip. When you get that flip, that's when it becomes. That's when you, you you're you're not doing it for the real reasons why you got it started. You know? exactly. And now it's running you. You lose. It's yeah, running it's, you. it's running you. You lose connection to the spirit and the soul of it. So approaching business as a spiritual discipline literally is the way that I develop myself as a leader because I have to make hard choices. Compassion is hard edged. <laughs> it yeah. really has teeth yeah. to it. Yeah. Because it requires yeah. difficult choices. And it's a 51-49 split, I think, I mean, as far as I can tell. It's a tough thing. I, You know, one of the things you said at the beginning, and I actually wrote this down, where you talked about business being at the forefront of the things that drive change, the things that drive, you know, the real things that mean something in life. And I actually wrote business over religion. Now, because business has been the one constant fact that everybody's so involved with and actually drives so much good, bad, good and bad, as opposed more so and has a bigger impact than religion. Now, I know some people are going to, I'm going to get cards and letters now, <laughs> but, but I, but, you know, I do believe that religion plays an important part of our lives, you know, all the way back to, if you remember Stephen Covey used to say, you had oh, to yeah. have four things, you know, you used to have to have friends, you used to have to you concentrate on your business, you have to concentrate on your, your spirituality and you have to come, kind of, what was the fourth one? Family. Family. Say family. Yeah, 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 yeah family. family. You know, Stephen yeah. was really Yeah, family. family. Yeah. Those are the four things. So it's kind of like a four-way teeter-totter, and you have to balance them. 
And so, so, but religion plays an important part, but, but if you think about the impact that that makes on people's daily lives or the bigger impact business over religion and religion, probably over government. And, yeah. and you could probably debate that government and religion may be one or the two. I, you know, it'd be interesting to have this kind of discussion, but th these are kind of, these are the things I think about from time to time. And I always like to have good conversations. Yeah. That's why I love being on great podcasts like this and great shows like this. <laughs> well, <awesome>. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm going to kind of run a little bit full circle here and then I want to you know, jump a little bit into, um, Hey, Hey brother, it's your show. You put the quarter in, you get to go for the full ride. So let's go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the soul of business, you know, back to Kodak, because, you know, yeah. it's interesting just the life cycle of large companies. Now, first of all, I just want to kind of drop a point in here. The chartering mechanism for corporations back, you know, when you look at the Hudson Bay Corporation, as an example, you go way back in history here, there was a finite timeline on these, uh, on these charters. Uh, you yep. either did what you did within this timeline or you didn't. And if you didn't, you might get an extension, but the crown had discretion around that. Today, there's, uh, there's no lifeline or there's no timeline on the life cycle of a, of a statutorily uh, to a business. Um, and with Kodak, I mean, Kodak was a fascinating case study for me, just in looking at this shoe and then a crash. Just could and this is a question that's kind of uh, hedging my bet here a little bit. Can, but can you ascribe the, the, the crash of Kodak, so to speak, to a loss of connection to soul? And if so, how did that appear? Yeah, I talk about soul as being a piece of what you are. So I, I think Kodak lost its way. So Kodak, again, believed that it followed the business rather than following its soul. Mm -hmm. If you think about, let's use Kodak moments as a primary thing. Yeah. They're Kodak that's, moments. That's, that's really, that's, that was the defining thing about <clears throat> Kodak. They were an emotional technology company, if you really think about it. But yet, when, when Steve Sasson invented the digital camera back in 1976, and I think that's the year they really went bankrupt, right, as opposed to a couple years ago, yeah. is because Steve invented this digital camera, he went around and said, look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done, a new way of taking Kodak moments. And they said, put it away. And they go, he goes, what do you mean put it away? He goes, well, we make that little roll of film. And that little roll of film drives 90% of our profits. And that little roll of film is, you know, we get 90% margins on that thing. And it goes in this little yellow box, the most recognizable box in the world, most recognizable logo. We're the most favorable company. We're not, we're not that company. We are a film company. Yeah. And they were never a film company. They were emotional technology companies. So they forgot the real thing that got them there yeah. and then started believing that that indeed that they were a film company. And, and by doing so, that's what caused the demise of the company. So, Perfect. and again, it gets yeah. back to the values. It gets back to your core. Your, as, as you would say, to your soul. The soul of Kodak was an emotional technology company. All the way back in 1896, right when George Eastman, you know, started the company, he he understood. He said he once said, "I want to make owning a camera as easy as owning a pencil." Mm-hmm. And, and so when you think of that, just no more difference than let's, let's go back to another great entrepreneur who almost as successful as George Eastman was, by the way, because George Eastman, if you put his money up to today's times, he would be ahead of Buffett and Gates, Gates being the next one. Remember Gates once said his vision was to have Microsoft running every single laptop and computer in the world. Yeah. Remember that? I mean, that yeah. was his big vision. So same kind of thing. That's what George Eastman said. We're going to make 
the camera is easy to own as a pencil. So he wanted to really create emotional technology and have everybody have access to it. And, and in essence, he's done that today. He's done mm -hmm. that because I'll guarantee you there's more of these than there are of pencils today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in, I did a lot of work with Nokia. I led their global leadership initiative for about 12 years as an external consultant. And I think, you know, early on, I came across this little factoid that Nokia actually was the largest camera producer in the world. Totally. And, yeah. yeah totally. It, whoa. Um, and, and, and it was just this little hidden fact. It was amazing. But I like the emotional technology piece. And so I'm looking for ways, and this is part of why I think this was, and I appreciate you taking the bait, so to speak, on this. The economic engine, of, as far as I can tell, of any organization is not what most people think it is. The economic engine of Apple, as an example, is not computers. It's not selling iPhones or any of that stuff. It's selling the emotional experience that comes with that. It's a gateway to yep. an experience. Gateway to the and the lifestyle. I would say that they've become almost a lifestyle brand. Lifestyle yeah. thing. So, and that's an expression for me. It's an, it's one way that soul gets expressed. Yeah, emotional technology. It's the way that the soul of the business gets expressed. And if the leaders are paying attention to this, it gets to be kind of interesting. So, this is where I'm going to kind of bring it back so in. By the, the way, that's an, a difficult thing to transition to oh or to get to. I mean, it's. There's very few, you know, I, I, I'm working with a company called Blue Moon Advisors, which they really work with companies to create a, a credit uh, rating for, uh, actually a capital readiness rating for a business, just like a Moody report. Mm -hmm. and, and I was talking to them about how they differentiate themselves. And so let's say that 95% of all businesses fail in the first five years. Of the 5% that are left, over the next five years, there's only 10% of those that survive out of that 5%. Yeah. And then there's only 1% of all businesses that actually make it to a successful exit. Now, one or or called once in a blue moon. So that's what Blue Moon blue Advisors moon. works with that 1%. But to make it through that just that that chain, just that chain and imagine the 1% that have an exit, the 1% that are the unicorns that are the biggest things, it's even rarer than the 1%. It's gotta be one hundredth or one one thousandth or, or one, ten, one ten thousandth of the 1% have to have that ability to do that. That's a very rare thing to occur. Extremely rare, extremely rare, yeah. I, should, I gotta figure that out. I'm gonna, now I'm gonna go figure that out because I wanna know <laughs> I what I can the, see the wheels what, I mean, well, the fact that we call most of them unicorns, but to, you know, to yeah. become a Kodak, to become a Microsoft, to become, a Nike to become, you know, an Apple to, is just astronomical. And um, in terms of the big scheme of things, so it's got, it's a very small percentage. Yeah, truly. And most of who's listening to this podcast are not going to be achieving that sort of, you know, quote unquote success. And there is a way to actually enable the impact or enhance the impact, I guess a better word here, enhance the impact. Yeah, but you, 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 you would agree with me that that's not, not saying that those of us are listening. Oh, look, I'm never going to have that. I'm not, I wish I could. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I'm going to keep striving, but that doesn't mean I'm a loser. It no. just means my zeros are, it means my zeros are different. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with, I'll take a few less zeros than Apple and yeah. I'll be happy with that. I'm, I'm <laughs> fine with that. I truly am. Uh, and, and that's you know, how success gets defined. It's, you know, I think it was Earl Nightingale. You know, success, the way he designed, uh, defined success was it's the steady progression towards a worthy ideal. And yeah, oh, that's a, Earl was a great guy. You know, and with that, Blaine, you know, I don't judge success just by the size of my wallet. 
Right. It helps. It does help us to keep score. But there are other things. I, I, I counsel a lot of, of CEOs, as you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, even the Hero Club was started by a guy who, you know, sold his company for $20 billion and gave a percentage away, making the single largest number of millionaires ever created. I hope to do that. I hope yeah. to do that for the people that work for me. I would love to be able to do that. And, uh, but I'm not, I'm not measuring. Could I tell a lot of business leaders when they're looking to sell and they're going, you know, maybe they're selling out for 20 million and they're holding out for 50. I'm going like, dude, you know, 20 million ain't bad. Yeah. And you know, you know, don't, don't, you know, how much money do you really need? And, yeah. and I think that's an important thing. Just like we're starting to see the realization by the business roundtable of we've got to have soul. We yep. have to have, you know, people over profit. I also want to convince, you know, CEOs out there, do you really need to make a hundred times the average person's salary in your company? Seriously. Exactly. Do you? Um, yeah. To me, that seems decadent. Um, you're not that, you're not that freaking smart. You're not that freaking good looking. You're not that freaking talented. I'm sorry. You're not. Now you, you've done good, but yeah. shouldn't everyone benefit? You know, should, I'm not, and I'm, by the way, let's be clear guys. You, some of you guys think I'm a socialist or, or let me, I'm clearly a capitalist. I'm, I mean, I love making money. I love making a lot of it. Yep. And I fight really hard for everyone to, I love the free enterprise system, but I'm also about, don't forget the people that got you there. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, I'm going to yeah. you know, kind of begin to bring this to in, into a soft landing. Uh, well, you know, we could keep going, man. Well, I know we could. That's, that's frustrating. Having so much fun. <laughs> the, the Heroes Club. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give you a you know, free license here and you just to, to kind of ramble in, in a sense, the C-suite network, because I mean, I've been a, a part of this for what, three, almost four years now, I think something like that. It, it's fascinating. I mean, it's, and I, I'm not a joiner. Uh, I just don't join shit. I just don't. Um, but this is one that really spoke to me and it's been well worth the investment. So yeah, kind of, yeah. Take us on a <laughs> on a on a, free a journey of what we're doing here. <laughs> so we we've got this we've got this C-suite network, which is a big community. Inside the C-suite network, it's made up of lots of different kinds of communities. I mean, that's what it is. So it's an environment that we all want to be trusted and vetted. So that's what we do. So we vet every single member that comes in. Whether you're in the Hero Club, you're a C-suite network advisor, you're a C-suite radio host, whether you're a um, a C-suite network advisor, whether you're a, a CMO council, manufacturing council, uh, cybersecurity council, uh, marketing impact council, I can go on and on and on, but yeah. literally hundreds of organizations soon to hopefully be thousands that are all under the umbrella or the environment, the ecosystem of the C-suite network. And then on top of it, we have a platform. So we have C-suite radio, we have C-suite TV, C-suite book club, C-suite um, academy. So we have a platform for people to be able to access trusted information and trusted advisors to be able to help their business. Then we have meetings. And then on last but not least, we have a concierge. We have a, a service area so that you know that you can trust those vendors, those partners that are in there. You know, when you're a C-suite executive and you're at a certain level, billion dollar companies like to do business with billion dollar companies. You know, when you're a C-suite executive, C CEOs like to talk to CEOs, CMOs like to talk to other CMOs. People in Kansas City like to talk to people in Kansas City and vice versa. So we've created an environment for everyone to be able to come with a, a community, with a platform, and now a marketplace for people to do business together. And so that's what we're all about. And the Hero Club is just, again, one group inside of that. 
but, but a very important group uh, for those entrepreneurs and founders who want to have a very special kind of uh, relationship in terms of building a company with hero culture. And that's really what the Hero Club's all about. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, folks, I've, I've been a member, like I said, for, for a number of years now. And it's just an amazing, amazing resource that I have found. Um, so how can, how can people find out more, Jeffrey? How can they get a hold of you? How well, you can find anything with Hazlett. My name's right there, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T.com. You can find me there, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, LinkedIn. Uh, just link in with me. Or you can find anything with C-Suite, S-U-I-T-E, Network, or C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Book. Look, you can type that in, you'll find us. And then certainly the Hero Club, just go and look. And any social media channel, you can find us. Yeah. And that's C hyphen suite, S-U-I-T-E networks. So um, Jeffrey Hazlett, uh, an incredibly generous man to begin with, but I also just, uh, you know, consider myself fortunate to, you know, call you a friend. And I want to thank you. And vice vice versa. Thank you for having me on here. It's It's so great to see people focus in on these kinds of conversations around the soul of business. You know, look, in the end, we can look ourselves in the mirror and we have to say, what did I do? How did I make a difference? And uh, your podcast, this show is allowing us an opportunity to really think about that and remember what we were put on this earth to do, and that's make a change. And we should leave it in better shape than when we got here. That is what we're going to close. We should leave it. Business taking responsibility for the whole. This is uh, Blaine Bartlett. I want to thank you again for listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more information about me at blainebartlett.com. The Soul of Business uh, with Blaine Bartlett is available in all of the regular places. Uh, You can find that at any point in time. We've got all kinds of little episodes up there that uh, you would find interesting. Um, Jeffrey, anything that you've got coming up that you might want to quickly promote? Well, I tell you, we have so many, we just speaking of Hero Club, we have so many Hero Club meetings. We have city summits. So you go to heroceoclub.com and look at all of our events. If you want to come, just apply to come and we'll, we'll check you out. Make sure that you're legit, that you don't, you know, you're not, you're not uh, some fake person. But once we find out you're for real, we'd love to have you come and be a part of it. Great. Again, Jeffrey, thanks for the, uh, the time. BlaineBartlett.com, the soul of business with Blaine Bartlett. Until next time. Take care. Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. That's so cool. Nobody in charge. That's yeah. Sturgis and find out. Yeah, when you guys are freaking out about your logo, shut up. He's not he can't even do anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it should be fun. Yeah. Uh, and of course, crazy horse. You know. All right. Well, listen. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Okay. I'm gonna miss you and uh Catch on the flip-flop, as they say. All right, man. Sounds good. See you. Cheers. Take care. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.